The biggest fear that we can have is our own total failure. This darkens our horizon and hinders our faith walk with God right now. Coming up, God's real hope has nothing at all to do with you or what you do, but completely upon His initiative and successful action. Next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. I am always so happy to have you uh, join us here as we share the true Word of God, the Bible, with you from week to week. We are in the midst of an incredibly hopeful and beneficial series called More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times. And uh, this podcast has been recorded during a very dark time in our world history during the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, the times that we are living in represent a titanic power struggle for control. We see this between political parties, between nations, between ideologies. It seems to be a pitched battle for who will be in control. And we can view this as an incoming threat to our way of life and even existence. But the plain fact is, there is no ultimate battle or struggle for control because God, who is the ultimate king, is always sovereign over all. And I can't tell you how incredibly encouraging it is for me to know that God, who is supremely and infinitely good, is totally sovereign. Despite what man may do, God's rule is unquestioned, and he successfully accomplishes his will for his glory. As I'm recording this in the midst of uh, the year 2020, we have a presidential election that's going up, and a lot of people hinge their hope upon one candidate or the other. But that's a serious mistake because no matter who the candidate is in the United States that's running for president or in your country for a top political office, the fact of the matter is man ultimately fails. Thank God that God himself is the one who is in control. He is the one who does not fail. And it is that incredible, encouraging reality of God's supreme sovereignty that can be seen clearly in our text for today, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And before we Turn to the Word of God. Let's take a moment right now to turn to the God of the Word in prayer. Dear Father God, I am so grateful that you are good. And the one who is in ultimate control of all, the one who is king over all, the one who is sovereign over all, is you. And so, Father, we have hope 
because you who are ultimately and infinitely good overrule over all. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, as we turn to your word, the Holy Bible, that we would have a clearer vision of you, a clearer understanding of your greatness, of your sovereignty, how you accomplish your purpose, a purpose that was forged before time began, a purpose, dear Father, that is eternal, and a purpose that is completely unstoppable by anyone, anytime, anywhere. Thank you, Father, for giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation of these things in the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn to our text for today. It's Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Aren't those incredible verses from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30? You know, there's so much more here in just these three verses than most Christians understand. Many times when we think of this passage, our attention is drawn to the phrase, all things work together for good, in verse 28. And that's true. But sometimes we can focus on just one thing and not see so many other things that God is doing to support that one thing. So we'll get to all things work together for good, in a moment. So let's examine the many other things that are in these verses 28 through 30. First, and we know at the beginning of verse 28, that speaks of certainty. We can be Oh, so uncertain in these uncertain times, but I want to let you know that we could all use a lot more of that in these extraordinarily uncertain times of the current pandemic. And we know. But where does this certainty come from? Well, God, of course. But specifically, what about God? You've heard the phrase, the devil is in the details. Well, God is also in these details. Well, the answer to that uh, question, where does the certainty come from behind the and we know, is context. In fact, everything in Romans heretofore, this is Romans chapter 8, so you got Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, and even a lot of verses in Romans chapter 8 to this point. And we provided a lot of context about these verses and all of the verses in this series, Romans eight fifteen to 39, 
when we spent uh, time in episodes two through four of this series. So if you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to those episodes, and find out about the context of Romans chapter 8 and powerful verses like what we see here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But if you look there from Romans chapter 1, where it says that the wrath of God is revealed against the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, there is an arc that goes on from our worst, deserving only God's wrath to God's best. It is a certainty based on God and what he has accomplished, Ephesians 3.12. And the certainty of the and we know is based, as I said, on everything stated heretofore in Romans, saved from sin, self, and Satan, indeed, saved from the wrath of God. We're redeemed. We're justified by God. We're made children of God, and we're adopted as sons and joint heirs with Christ. Our certainty that's expressed in the phrase, and we know, of Romans 8.28, is based upon God and his integrity and what he has accomplished for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, all things work together for good because God is always good. And what he does is always good. Therefore, all things work together for good because God is good. And aren't you glad that the one who is supremely good is the one who is God? This means his ultimate purpose of good prevails. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where a presidential campaign and election goes, what's going on with the pandemic, what's going on in your personal crisis, what's going on in the world, God's unfailing purpose prevails. And we see this theme brought out a lot in the book of Ephesians as well. And we're going to get back to that in a little bit. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says that all things work together for good, but the question is, they work together for good to who? It says, to those who love God, the first thing. And remember, please, this isn't about how loving you are to God and how amazing you are. No, First John 4.19 reminds us that we love him because he first loved us. This is not a situation that the results of what we see here in Romans chapter 8 is because that we love God. No, it's because he first loved us. And that's why we love him. We are among those who have received the great love of God. And as a result, we love him. So these verses talk about those who love God. And the reason why they love God is because he first loved them. What's the second or what's the second characteristic of those that this all things work together for good speaks about. 
Well, it speaks about those who are the called according to his purpose. Notice that it says, the called. These are people marked by a characteristic of being the called. Now, this is not something they did. This is something that God did. And God's call that's spoken of here and in many places in the Bible is a powerful call. In fact, it is a summons that commands our destiny. That's the call of God. And even the church is identified with this call. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means the called out ones. So it says here that they are the called according to his purpose. And I want to spend some time camping out on this because this is the ultimate root and source from which everything that's going to come up here in Romans chapter 8 springs from. The purpose of God. And it says, according to his purpose. So this calling happens because of and according to something, and that something is God's purpose. And you see, God's purpose is a very grand thing. In the AMG Complete Word Study of the Greek New Testament, it says this, that the purpose, the definition of that word here used, the Greek word means it involves purpose, resolve, and design. Let me say that again. The word purpose here used in Romans 8.28 means purpose, resolve, and design. I mentioned a few moments ago Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, and the whole idea of the purpose of God really comes out a lot in the epistle uh, to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, it refers to this as God's eternal purpose. So, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 is at the tail end of a long discourse from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, all the way through to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, about the love of God and what he has done for us in love, bringing us into Christ as blessed with all spiritual blessings. Now remember, this is the purpose of God, and this is the purpose of God unfolding through his loving action. It says in Ephesians that we're adopted as sons, meaning rightful heirs. It also means that we are raised up together with Christ so that we sit together in the heavenly places with him. It says that we are brought near to God through the blood of Christ. And then these passages in Ephesians speaking about God's eternal purpose says that God's definitive action has brought us near to God and has also brought us into the church 
which I mentioned a moment ago, means the called out ones. God's purpose has brought us together as the body of Christ, Jew and Gentile in one body. And furthermore, that God is building us up together as a living temple of God. And here's something really amazing. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, it says that believers are partakers of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wow, that's amazing. We're talking about God's purpose. And the reason why is because of what it says over in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Right now, underlining that word purpose and expanding through a look at several different verses about the meaning of the purpose of God. Have you ever been in a situation in life where it might have been on the job, it might have been in something you were involved with, and it just didn't seem like there was purpose? There didn't seem to be a plan. I mean, you may see people on the left and right who are working their tails off, But it's frustrating because there's no plan in place. There's no purpose that's laid out. And you can't go very long in that kind of state and achieve anything and not be frustrated. Conversely, when you have a situation where you have a leader who has a purpose, a clear purpose, a passion, and a plan, well, that's something that people can follow after. And God's purpose is that which initiates all that he has accomplished through our Lord Jesus Christ. Check out these verses in other parts of the scripture about the purpose of God. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 24 says this, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass, and as I have purposed, so it shall stand. Isaiah 14, 24. We've talked about God's eternal purpose laid out so much in Ephesians. Check this out in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 4, it says this, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then down to verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And then in Ephesians 1.11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I'm going to say that verse right there is extremely powerful. We'll get back to that in context with uh, more of what's going on in Romans chapter 8. More verses on the purpose of God. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 says this, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. And this is God saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my 
pleasure. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Over in 2 Timothy, verse 1, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us, listen to this, in Christ Jesus before time began. Did you hear that? God called you and me, dear friend, not because of anything we did. He called us with this holy calling according to his own purpose and grace given to us in Christ Jesus long before we were born, in fact, before time began. That's over in 2 Timothy 1.9. The main reason why God's purposes stand and the assurance and hope that gives us, once again, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the reason why we can have that confidence and that assurance. Romans eight twenty eight again, putting it all together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. The next part, verses 29 and 30, I call the success of God in the believer. The success of God in the believer. And I want to let you know that you, believer, are not facing gloom and doom. Now, I realize a lot of you are struggling in these times. Some have lost their jobs. Some have a job in limbo because of the pandemic and shutdowns. And there are many other factors that are going on at this time that bring so much uncertainty and the accompanying feeling of gloom and doom. But the biggest uncertainty that I think if you could put your finger on it that we have about the future has got nothing to do at all with the pandemic or the government or the layoffs and everything else that's going on, the shutdown. The biggest uncertainty that we could ever have about the future, listen, is that we are afraid that we will ultimately fail. And you know what? You will. And so will I. If my future depended upon me, then I would be in great big trouble. But my future does not depend upon me. It depends upon God and trusting in God by His grace. And that's the reason why our destiny is good. Because God is good and sovereign, and He commands our destiny. And Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30 are so encouraging to us when we see the definitive action of God that proceeds out of that purpose we were talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So there in verse 29, it says, for whom he foreknew. You know, whenever you see a clause that begins with the word for, you can substitute the word because in its place, because whom he foreknew. In other words, we're going to tell you the reason in this clause for what was just stated. So 29 and 30 give us the reason for verse 28, where it says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for, here's the reason, listen up, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. First, this word predestined means to set the destination ahead of time, predestined. A popular and mistaken view claims that God chooses his own and predestinates his people because they have chosen him. And this is wrong because they misinterpret the foreknew in Romans chapter 8, 29, is meaning that God chooses his people based upon his foreknowledge of what some people will do ahead of time. In other words, knowing what or that some people would choose him. But the word for new in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, does not mean to know about some Thing as in actions ahead of time. Because it says, for whom he foreknew. And that's speaking of knowing of persons. For whom he foreknew, speaking of persons, he also predestined. Not only does this passage say, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. It also says, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. Over and over and over again, it says, whom, not what, but whom. This speaks of a knowing and a knowing ahead of time that is a personal, relational knowing of persons. Remember, what God does, including his choosing and predestining, is based upon himself and his eternal purpose, not our purpose. If it was based upon this predestining and choosing of people, if it was based upon me and what I have done, then that would make me the greater and God the lesser. It would make me sovereign and not God sovereign. It makes God subservient to me and my choices and not the other way around. Dear friend, nothing could be farther from the truth. All throughout the Bible, God is clearly portrayed as the one who is absolutely sovereign, 
not man. Now look, this doesn't mean that our choices and actions have no impact. They definitely do, but they do for the here and now. What we are talking about is what God does. And what God does, including his choosing and predestining, is based upon his eternal purpose, not our purpose. Everything that is spoken of in this passage in Romans chapter 8 is about God. God's purpose, God's initiative, God's action, and not about what you or I do. Remember, please, proper interpretation happens in context. And notice the chain of events in God's plan and under his command. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This foreknowing produces the destiny, setting the destination ahead of time. And this, dear friend, is so encouraging. It gives the believer confidence in God's goodness and his saving grace and his power. And what are we predestined to because of him? We are predestined to be conformed to the image of of his son. Now, this is where English fails us and misses something that's very important. We have to look at the Greek. The word conformed sounds like a verb, something that we do, but that's not what is the case for the Greek word that's used for conformed. The word is actually an adjective. And what is an adjective? It describes a noun, right? It's not a verb. It describes the believer, but does not refer to something that we do to be more like Jesus. In other words, God, through his definitive action, has made us, literally, it says in the Greek, the conformed ones of the image. And that word Conformed, con means together. Formed, we understand what that means. So conform means formed together. And that's because God has put us in union with Christ. We are one with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans chapter 6 says. And that is because of what the Father has accomplished through his Son, Jesus Christ. So for what purpose is all this? Watch this. That he, the Lord Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. God has done this to bring us into the same family that Jesus is the son of. God's family. Jesus is the firstborn I love this. Among many brethren. This echoes what's over in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, which says this, For which reason 
He is not ashamed to call them brethren. And then in verse 13, it says, Jesus speaking, here am I and the children whom God has given me. That's over in Hebrews chapter 2. We belong in God's family because of God's eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. And then over in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, it says this, and we've already alluded to this, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Notice again, it says, whom he predestined, whom he called, whom he justified, whom he glorified. Also, this all goes together with the fact that God is reaching out in relationship, in love, and this brings together everything. Some have referred to this verse as the golden chain of redemption. First one, linked to the next, then the next, then the next. It says, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. These he also predestined, he also called. Remember, that's the summons of God that commands our destiny. Whom he called, these he also justified. And what does justified mean? Given the same standing that Jesus has before Father God. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. That means brought to the full extent of the glory that God means for us through Jesus Christ. Dear friend, this all speaks of God's initiative and his action and not yours. God has predestined you, dear believer, and me to be the conformed ones of the image of Christ. You are that way because of what God did. And that leads to God's call to us. This calling is not a mere invitation not a you-hoo calling either. This calling is the calling that commands our destiny. And it says, whom he just called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. I started off this program by saying that we're in a time of what seems like a titanic power struggle. But there's no power struggle at all. Because the one who is king over all, the one who is sovereign over all, the one who is Lord of lords and king of kings is indisputably in control. He works and commands all things according to his eternal purpose from before time began. And dear friend, I can't think of a more encouraging thought than that. I can't think of a more hopeful thought, yes, even in the midst of these dark times. Dear friend, I'm passionate that we get this word out. I'm passionate that we share the truth of this great and mighty and awesome and sovereign God. You know, I was thinking today that whenever we go through difficult times, especially collectively, whether it would be uh, people in a region who are in crisis because of something like a, a war or a famine 
or a larger scale situation like a world war we experienced back in the 20th century, or this situation where we have this worldwide pandemic that's produced economic shock. Whenever that happens, there are many people seeking for hope. They're desperately looking for answers. And dear friend, you are the one who can share it with them. I want to encourage you to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with as many people as you can. Let God lead you. And let me raise a caution. There are many voices that are out there who think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. Whenever you've got a person who's conjecturing or predicting the future, and they don't mention the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, they don't know what they're talking about. So why should you be listening to them, whether they're conservative or liberal or whatever? Turn it all off. Tune into God. Get into His Word, the Bible. And this podcast is about that. Not only in the midst of a crisis, but in the good times as well. The Daily in Christ podcast. Thank you for letting others know about this weekly podcast available for free on many podcasting platforms. We want to encourage you to stop by our website at dailyinchrist.org. That's dailyinchrist.org. I'm Mark Van Oos reminding you once again of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him.